Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that when we share your word with one another that you come and dwell with us. And so we just bless you, Lord. I pray that you give me clarity of thought and precision of speech, that the words I communicate would be from your heart, God. And I pray, Father, that anything that is of me, God, would fall to the the ground and die. But the words that are from you, that it would yield fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 It's good to see you all. I am turning to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. You could have guessed that one, eh? Chapter 1, verse 18. It says this, Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child from the Holy Spirit. That sounds like drama already. (laughs) Now, her husband Joseph... Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. There are two things I want to address today. But before I do that, I want to tell you a bit of a story. About eight years ago, I actually came on staff at Alpha and Omega. Yeah, it's been a while, eh? Eight years ago. And one of the first things that that I was charged to do is to join a ministry we had running in Langa called Manor. And Manor was headed up by Michael Weiss and Kerry Weiss. And what I was supposed to do was go in there, because there was a bunch of young people, teenagers, And I was supposed to go in and share the gospel with these young people. And so Michael uh, comes to the office here one day. We're sitting in the kitchen. He prays for me. He says, now I'm going to trust you and you go and you share the word of God with these people because they need it. And you carry it. So I said, cool. So I said, what do I I talk about? He says, that's up to you. you. You do what you need to do. So I thought about this, oh, what am I going to say? You know, I said yes, but now I don't know what I'm going to say. And so I thought, you know what? Let's start at the beginning. Let's start with Jesus and how he started. And so I go up there with full confidence, of course. I go and I stand in front of them and I say, you know, Jesus was born of a virgin. 
and in unison, with one accord, all of those young people said, hi, 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 hi. Siobhan, you are mistaken. We know how babies are born. That's not how they are born. And have you ever had one of those moments where your belief system, you've not thought it through, and it slipped by you, that this was an impossible act? (laughs) And now these young people have confronted me with a reaction that is justified, might I add. That's how anyone should respond when you say someone was born of a virgin. And so I obviously had some thinking to do. (laughs) And I went back and I thought, Lord, can I believe in Christianity without believing in the virgin birth? The answer is no. You cannot. It's embedded within our faith that he was born of a virgin. And this is why. Because this prophecy is not man's idea. This wasn't man saying, you know what? Let's come up with an idea where we tell people that our Savior was born of a virgin and they'll believe us. This is going to work. <laughs> and what, what this prophecy comes from is actually in Isaiah chapter 7. What's happened is uh, King uh, Isaiah, or Ahaz, has, is the king of Judah, the king of, is David's descendant, and Two nations, two kings, Ephraim, which is part of Israel, and the king of Syria have colluded together to overthrow Ahaz. And Ahaz gets wind of this, and he is fearful. He doesn't know what to do. And so Isaiah, the prophet, walks up to him and says to him, this is what's happened, I know you know, but the Lord is with you. He's on your side. To prove that the Lord is with you, ask the Lord anything. Let's read it in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 10 to 14. And again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. What you're seeing there is not a man with wisdom, that is a man with fear. He doesn't want to put his neck on the chopping block. And so he said, Oh, you're then, house of David. This is the Lord speaking to him through the prophet. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, shall, and we shall call his name Emmanuel. This is God's idea. When the enemies have encamped around us, they are on every side like sin and the enemy, encamped. There's no way out. And death is on the horizon. God comes and he says, I'm on your side. I'm on your side. Ask a sign. And normally in our fear we say, no, 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 no. What sign should I ask? God says, you know what? I'll give you a sign. A virgin will conceive. And so, yeah, I stand in front of a group of people once again, declaring that I believe Jesus was born of a virgin. Some would say that's utter foolishness. It's ridiculous to believe something like that. Do you really believe that? Yes, I really do. As the Apostle Paul would say, the message that we preach is foolishness to those who are perishing. 
But to those who are being saved, it's the very power of God. And so, we celebrate the miraculous birth of Jesus. And when we do so, we are saying to God, God, we trust you. We trust you to keep your promises. We trust you that you are going to make the world new again. We trust you that at the end of the age, we will be risen from the dead with you. We trust you. And we know that the things we believe are radical things. You believe in the resurrection of the dead? You believe in signs and wonders and miracles? And do you believe in all these things? Now, God knows that his promises are radical. And so he gave us a radical sign to say, all my promises in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. That's what we do when we celebrate Christmas, by the way. We stand, at the, we stand in the face of the enemy as he's encamped around us and we say, our God has given us a sign and we know that because he's trustworthy, we know your end is death and not ours. And so, this sign serves as an anchor that God will keep his word. You and I, every year, celebrate that God has given us an anchor to our soul. That when life gets hard and difficult, there's this thing we look at. Jesus was born of a virgin. As a result, we know God is with us. And so many might say to me, Siobhan, it's easy to say that from behind the pulpit. You know, you're not the one that's going through the ringer at the moment. You're not oh yeah, standing there with literal armies encamped around you. And that gets to the next point that I want to make. This is what the prophecy says. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Did you know that it is the heart of God to be with us? That's his heart. I want to be with you. That's a crazy thought, but again, we believe in the virgin birth, so that shouldn't be so hard that God wants to be with us. <laughs> right? God wants to be with us. And we see this image front and center in the creation story in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, God makes the world uh, from day 1 to 6. In chapter 2, verse 2, the seventh day comes, and this is what it says in Genesis 2, 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. I know you think, Siobhan, this doesn't make sense. The Garden of Eden was a special place, wasn't it? It was a place where heaven and earth came together. This place was, because I don't have better language, magical. <laughs> it was beautiful. And what you see in, in Genesis 2 is the culmination of this place. It's, it's, man is not the culmination, by the way, of the creation story. Day 7 is the culmination of the story of creation. And those, this, there's an ancient word. That in the ancient world, there was a, there's a word for uh, a place where heaven and earth come together. 
It's called the temple. And in Genesis 2, 2, you see the culmination of a temple being built. Once the temple is built, the God of that temple comes to inhabit the temple. So that word there, rest, in the Septuagint, which is probably the Bible Jesus was reading, uh, the Greek version of the Hebrew Bible, that word rest there can also mean to recline into rest, to abide into something. And so what you're seeing here is God inhabiting creation on day seven with rest. And as a result of that, man and God get to walk in the cool of the day and have conversations and talk and be with one another. And so you see the same pattern in Exodus. Exodus 40, after the temple is built, the presence of God that hovers over the, te- the, the people of Israel, the cloud, once it's finished, the Bible says in Exodus 40 that the cloud came and dwelt onto the temple. It rested onto the temple. It inhabited the temple. And so you see that happening there, the same, the same picture of creation happening once again. God wanting to physically be being close to his people or being above or hovering over his people is not enough for our God. He wants to be with in the midst of. And so here we see that happening. You see the same image happening in Chronicles when Solomon builds his temple. At the end, in the culmination of the temple, the presence of God comes down. And that is, that is what you are seeing here in Matthew chapter 1. The, one, the, the Christmas story that I love the most is from the Gospel of John. I know you're thinking, Siobhan, the Gospel of John does not have a Christmas story. You're mistaken. No, I'm not. In John chapter 1, we see a remaking of Genesis 1. And John culminates the creation story in John chapter 1 verse 14. And this is what he says in John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt there is the tabernacle, the temple among us. Dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. The glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. God wants to be with us. He really does. And he is with us. Think about that for a moment. You know what you're like. Hey, Pastor. You know what you're like. And you definitely know what I'm like. (laughs) And yet God wants to dwell with us. He wants to be with us. That is remarkable. That is radical. That is borderline narcissistic on our part. (laughs) That we say that the God of the universe wants to dwell in our midst, our sinful midst. You know, we, we, we think of God as one who wants to turn away from us because of our humanity and brokenness. And, but the story of the Bible is how God radically chases after us, wants to be in our presence, and does everything he can to be in our midst. Even if he has to be born of a virgin, he's doing it. And so, here we celebrate 
that the God of the universe has not just made us, he wants to be with us. In our presence, who you are right now, not who you're going to be, not the future you, the you right now. The you that struggles to pray, the you that struggles to read your Bible, the you that when a hammer eats your nails says things that you shouldn't say. That same you, God wants to be with you. Yes, he came to save us from our sins. Yes, he came to heal us from our sicknesses and our diseases. Yes, he came to be Lord and King. We've seen, we sang about that. Yes, he's come to destroy the works of the enemy, but let's never forget. He came to be with us. He really came to be with us. I love Psalm 8. It says this in verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set the glory above, your glory above the heavens. Then in verse 3 he says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man, man that you care for him. Absolutely crazy. He made it all. He's far above us. He's beyond what we can imagine. And yet he wants to be with us. It's like I have, an, I have a nephew. And uh, he's about one and a half. And uh, I just want to be around him. I don't want to teach him stuff. Or we can't have a conversation it just doesn't work. <laughs> but that doesn't stop me from wanting to just be with him. But when, when it's very difficult when you get older to be, just be with other people. Hey, we must do stuff together. We can't just be with one another. And many times we think of God as that. Come, let's do this project together. Let's, let's, let's fix you up. Let's make you better. Let's, instead of just, let's just be together. Because right? that's how Jesus transformed his disciples. Let's be together. When John declares, behold the Son of God, who takes away the sin of the world, Andrew says to John, who is John's disciple, Peter's brother, says, is that not the Messiah? Yes, John says, peace out. I'm going to Jesus. Follows after Jesus, shouts, Rabbi, Rabbi. Jesus turns around and in Jesus' manner, he says to him, what do you want? <laughs> and he says, where do you live, Rabbi? Jesus doesn't say on 4th Street at number so-and-so. Jesus says, come and see. Come and see. An invitation to come and be with me. Come. Now, you know that once a rabbi says, come, they don't leave the rabbi's house. <laughs> they are now invested they give up everything to be with the rabbi. And for three years, they get to just be with him. Peter, who is going to deny him, is just being with him. James and John, who has a temple problem, just be with him. Nathaniel, who is a borderline racist and prejudiced, just be with him. And it's in the presence of Jesus, an encounter with being with him, that they are transformed. They heard the teachings. They were there. They, they, they saw the miracles. 
but nothing can replace being with him. And he understood that. Even when we get to the end of the gospel, you can imagine now that they've experienced being with him. There's a fear that once he is lifted up and gone, that they will no longer get to be with him. And Jesus in, in Matthew 28 ends the same way he began. Matthew 1, he says, Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 28, Jesus' last words, he says to his disciples. And Jesus came in Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That submersion there is a being with. It's not just being dunked in water. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I will be with you always. That's why Thomas lost his mind and would not believe anything that the disciples said unless he got to be with him again. I don't care about the miracles. I don't care about any of the stuff. I want to be able to touch him again. If I can touch him, I'll believe it. And so, here we stand. Our hearts anchored because Jesus was born of a virgin. And as a result, he came to be with us. And he made a promise that he would never leave us, nor forsake us. He will be with us to the end of the age. And as we eagerly await the fulfillment of his promises, the new creation, all things that will be spoken about from now till Easter, let us never forget that he's come to be with us. Everything else is fluff. Everything else is not worth talking about if we don't get this right. If we can't be with him, what's the point? Right? That's his disciples. Jesus says, I have to go. They say, can we come with? I just need to be with you. Because we know that when we are by your side, anything's possible. And so we celebrate today Christmas, that the God of the universe has chosen to be with us. And when life gets hard, he's with you. And when life is great, he's with you. And when things are not working out the way you wanted it to work out, he's with you. That's his promise. I won't leave you. I'll be with you till the end of the age. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.